Have you ever had anybody ask you to, to do that? All right, everybody do this, just like me, one time. Good. Now, do it two times. All right. Three times. All right. Now, this is the real test. Do it as fast as you can, as many times as you can. Thank you. You're, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's so grateful. I so appreciate that. You know, it's good to laugh, and it's always good to laugh in the house of God because God just gives us so many blessings and so many things to be happy about. And, you know, it's odd the music that we're playing today is talking about heaven, about a place that we haven't got to yet. And these are songs that were part of the greatest hits for August. We had so many requests for those songs that we moved them on into September. But I believe today is the last, no, one more Sunday of greatest hits. But today were songs dealing with heaven, what heaven would be like or how we can't wait to get there. And I think about that all the time. What is heaven really like? Because the scriptures really don't tell us a, a whole lot about what heaven is like. John, in the Revelation, gave us a, a wonderful description of the things that he saw about the streets of gold and the gates of pearl. And he talked about the, the new heaven and earth ascending to replace the old. But I think sometimes when we think about heaven, we think about those that have gone on before us or those that we know that are on that journey. Today's passage of Scripture comes from the book of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. The Word of God states, Do not let your hearts be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, as we come before you during this part of the worship service, I just ask that you be with me. Give me guidance and direction, Father God. And give us words of hope that will enlighten us, that will bring us to a better understanding of you, that will, that will draw us into a closer relationship with you, and that will help us to understand and have a better vision of where it is that Christ has gone and what it is that he is preparing for us. Father, during this part of the service, I ask that you empty me of any words or desire of anything that I would want to speak. Fill me with your spirit, that the words that proceed from my mouth would be the words that proceed from your throne. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I look at that passage of scripture, and I start thinking about what was going on in the lives of the disciples and of Jesus at that time, that he would tell them, don't let your hearts be troubled. 
And if you go back and look at the scriptures and see what was happening in the lives at this time, Jesus was telling his disciples of what was getting ready to come. He was telling them that, that I'm getting ready to, to go and do something that you don't want me to do. And this thing that I'm going to do is going to take me away from your physical lives. And that troubled the disciples because they understood what Jesus was talking about. They understood that, that he was talking about leaving this world through death. But they had grown so close to Jesus in those few years that they spent with him. It bothered them to know that someone that, that they loved and someone that they cared about, that their life would soon come to an end. And they were concerned about what would happen to them and the life that they began to leave. Because if you remember, those disciples walked away from the lives they knew to follow Jesus. They left everything behind. And I think Jesus read the signs that, that they physically had upon their face and in their demeanor and, and in the way that they, they walked and talked and he understood the amount of trouble that was in their hearts and he gave them these words and it's the same words that, that bring comfort to us today if we allow that to happen do not let your hearts be troubled and i understand that to be this that it is a command that christ gave to his disciples it is not a wish that he put upon them it is the direction that he gave don't let it happen but too many times in life we let our hearts be troubled for things that we cannot control we want to come out with a plan that will fix all of our problems. We want to come up with a plan that will solve every bump in the road that life brings to us, but we can't do it. And when we, when we realize that we have that little control over our lives, something happens with inside us. And what happens is fear begins to well up. And we begin to look at our situations and circumstances. And we begin to start doubting who God is and what God can do in our lives. But Jesus comes back to us at that point in our lives and tells us, just like he says to the, to the disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Because, you see, you don't see the bigger picture. You don't see what's really happening. All we can see is that little instant that happens right in front of us. Fear is not of the kingdom of God. Fear is of this world. And Scripture tells us that, that we as a people, we are not of this world. This is not our home. It says that we are aliens in a strange land. Meaning we have somewhere else to go to when this life is over. We're just strangers passing through on our way home. And if we take Christ at his word and his command to not let the burdens of this world trouble us, then we will find peace in the life that we have today. 
He says that if you believe in God, believe also in me. For at my Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? I don't know a lot about heaven. I wish I did. I only know what the scriptures have told me. And I know those few things that I've experienced in life. But if I had to to think about Christ and the time that he spent on this earth and the things that, that he taught us and the example that he gave us, I think we can see a little bit of heaven here on earth. And it goes back to don't let your hearts be troubled. You know, one of the things that Christ taught us was to love unconditionally. Now, I don't know about you, but I think I can love myself pretty unconditionally. I can put up with with my own idiosyncrasies. I can put up with my own bad habits, and, and I can put up with all the things that I know are wrong with me because that's okay because I know how to live with me. But if I had to put me in your shoes, I might think a little differently. You might think, man, Tommy, you you talk a little too much and it's getting on my nerves. It's starting to irritate me. Or maybe you don't talk enough. Or you trip over your words too much. Man, those things just bother me. And what I'm getting at is, no, you're not harassing me or you're not thinking badly of me. But what I'm getting at is this, is that, that in the life that we live, one of the things that torments us as a people so bad are people around us, if we are to be honest. No one can get along with everyone naturally. It's not within us to do that. It's our nature to, to argue. It's in our nature to, to see what's wrong with things. But Christ comes in and says, forget about your nature and live in a state of discipline. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Love is an action. and It's something that, that we have to learn to do. It is hard to learn how to love me. I understand that, but I thank you for trying. And I thank you for the effort that you put forward because that's what Christ teaches us to do. We will never, ever get along with everyone naturally. But we choose how we respond to people. And we choose how how we treat people, even when they're rubbing us the wrong way. We choose to be a family of believers who don't just come together to to say thank you god for all the good things that you've given me today but but to live as christ taught us to live to be disciples to discipline ourselves in the ways of the spirit and in the ways of god to choose to treat each other with mercy and understanding and when i think about things like that that jesus taught us about how we should discipline ourselves to live a certain way, I think about what it means in heaven. 
that if we are being changed today into something new, but yet we can't reach perfection in this life, what does it say about the work that God is doing in us? See, the Word says that that God doesn't start something without finishing it. And that the very work that He started in you and the very work that He started in me doesn't end on the day that we close our eyes on this side of life. The work that He began in us today to push us toward holiness, to push us toward perfection, is completed when we enter the kingdom of God. In the theological life, you'll hear things like justifying grace. But very seldom do we hear of something called glorifying grace. See, glorifying grace occurs between death and the entering of the kingdom. It's that point in life when when we stop existing on this side of heaven and we enter the kingdom of God and that work that God began in our lives from the time we were born to the time that we leave this world is then completed. Meaning this, those things that we strive for, those things that we fight with in our journey to become more holy are perfected. That argument that we have within ourselves about who we are as a person goes away because the work is completed. And that's what I think of when I think of heaven. That I get to lay down finally all my burdens all my cares and all my concerns, all my sorrows and all my pains. Because I've been made whole in the image of God. When Christ says that if you believe in God, believe also in me, he's saying more than just except in our hearts and minds that they are who they say they are. But to believe indeed by putting to work the Word of God in our lives. And I like that he says that if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me. Those words bring so much comfort. And let me tell you why. Because if he's going to come back and take the disciples to where he went, then he's going to come back and take me to where he went. And what that says to me is that when I go to the kingdom that Christ is preparing for me, that I will be reunited with all those that I have loved that have gone on to the kingdom before me. Paul wrote a letter 
to the Thessalonians because they were concerned about certain aspects of, of our beliefs and our doctrine. And, and what we remember or have to remember that at the time these letters were written, the church was in its infancy. And a lot of what they were hearing, they were taking on faith. They were choosing to believe, sometimes even without evidence. Only from hearing the Word of God and experiencing the Holy Spirit in their lives to, to confirm what they've heard. But still, those, those confirmations with them, like with many of us, sometimes don't fully take from us a fear and concern. And at these particular churches, they were concerned that they had already missed the second coming. And they weren't sure that they were going to make it into the kingdom. And one of their biggest concerns was what about those who have already gone on before me? Are they okay? Or will I ever see them again? And Paul brought forward these words. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep with him. And I think about those words, and, and they just they bring so much comfort because I want to see those people that I once loved again. And I know that these words are true. I know that they're true because I put the Word of God to the test. That's what the Scripture tells us to do. Put it to the test and see how truthful it is. Put it to the test and find out how reliable it is. And in my time and in my life, I put these words of God to the test and I found that there is nothing more reliable in this life than the Word of God. So when Paul tells me that we should not be uninformed, that those that we love who are asleep, not dead, not gone, but those that we are loved are asleep. Their bodies are asleep. Their spirits are in heaven with the Lord. That on that day of resurrection, when the dead in Christ arise, those whom I have loved, who have gone on to be with the Lord, I will be reunited with. But what about until that day comes? Do we have to, to wait throughout eternity to see those that we've loved? Do we have to wait for that resurrection morning when the shout is heard throughout the air where God says to Christ, go get my children. Go get my children and bring them home. Do we have to wait to that moment in time? 
I don't think so. Because Paul points out that those who are already asleep will come with Jesus when he returns. And that tells us that, that those who are asleep that are going to return are already with him because they can't come with if they're not already there. And then there's the mighty passage that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I know that when I close my eyes on this side of life, I will be reunited with my loved ones. And then some want to argue in this life that, that when we die and we go to heaven, that, that we really won't recognize anyone who has gone before us. That we were just some generic form of spirit floating around, absent from our body. And I would argue that that, that statement is wrong and, and that, that we can find more comfort and more peace in God's Word when we look at it concerning what happens to our loved ones and to ourselves when we go on to be with the Lord. You see, it's my belief that when I go to heaven, I will not see a familiar spirit that reminds me of my Father. I will not see a, a familiar spirit floating around that, that might look a little bit like my brother or my brother-in-arms. Lance Corporal Lucas, when I get to heaven, it is my belief that when I get to heaven, I will not see familiar images, but I will see the people as I know them. Scripture reads that after six days, Jesus took Peter and James and John with him to a mountain. And when they reached their point of destination, something miraculous happened. Christ was transformed into his glorified image. What they said was, was that when they looked at Jesus, that his body became radiant as a bright light, and that the clothes that he was wearing became white, so white that it was the purest white they had ever seen. Whiter than anything that bleach could make. It was Christ in his glorified vision, in his glorified body, outside of her, his earthly form. And then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah. And immediately, Peter and James and John recognized who these people were. So here's why I tell you that, that when I get to heaven, I'm going to know who my people are because John and Peter and James had never seen Elijah or Moses. 
They had no idea what they looked like. But immediately they knew who they were. Because you see, I think we're all connected by the blood in God's family. And, and I think that, that when we get to heaven, a lot of the confusion that we experience here on life will be cleared up. And I think that when we get to heaven, we'll have a better understanding of who we are, how we're connected, and how God has been working in our lives to bring about his will. I'll share, you, share with you this. Some years ago, I think I've told you, I brought my mother down to Tybee Island. And soon after, she went home to be with the Lord. And the next year, we just sporadically planned a trip to go back. And I didn't realize at the time that that same weekend that we planned to go down was exactly one year from the time that we had went down with my mother. And we got there at night, and, and I walked out onto that beach, and, and I walked away from my family and let them have some private time. Well, I walked off to have some private time. And as I walked across that beach, I had memories of my mother. See, she had never seen the ocean before. And I had memories of her sitting in her chair because she really couldn't walk on the beach as, as the water came in and, and tickled her toes for the first time. Or she saw the seagulls sliding amongst the waves. And in those memories, I remember seeing her broken body, the body that had been broken from strokes, from heart attacks, and from dementia. And I just felt something in my spirit saying, Tommy, turn around. But I was scared to turn around. Because I thought that, that if I turned around, that, that I would see my mother in that broken body again. But in my mind, I turned around. And whether it was God or my imagination, what I experienced left a lasting imprint on my life. Because in my mind, when I turned around, I didn't see a broken body. I saw my mother who had been made whole. 
She was standing straight. She was neither young nor old, but she was whole and she was happy. And there was no pain and there was no sorrow. And much like the disciples, when they saw Elijah and Moses, I know, knew that when I saw my mother, who it was that I was looking at. So I know that on that day, when I go home to see the Lord, I will know my mother and I will know my father and my brothers and my sisters and my aunts and my uncles and I will know a community of people that I'd never met before because of the glorious work that Christ has gone before me to prepare. We don't need to live our lives looking for death. Live our lives living life without trouble and without care. Face each day with the measure of faith that, that God has given us. Knowing that if God be for us, then who can be against us? Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So on this day, let us live the life that God gave us with passion and fervor and know that Christ went forward to prepare for us a home when we leave here. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this time that you've given us to come together. And we, we thank you for the words that you've given us. And Father, that you're with us now and always, that, that you have prepared a life for us, a journey in which we are to travel. And on that journey, Father God, that, that we should take doubt and fear and cast them to the side no matter what our circumstances bring, that, that we can put our hope and trust in you not to work things out the way that we want to, but that you will work things out in a way that fulfills your will in our lives. And help us, Father, to look toward that home that Christ has gone before us to prepare with great expectation and hope, knowing that, that not only will we be reunited with those of our loved ones that have gone on before us, but that we will stand in the glory of your love because your Son gave his life for us on the cross at Calvary. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.